Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, we're a day from, you know, basically almost every sport kicking off. We're really hitting, kind of hitting the grind here, and I think we're both just ready for it to begin. I've done so many previews. I'm just, I'm, I'm ready for the actual action. Um, exactly. It's been, it's been a lot of fun kind of getting to talk to everybody, and we've been putting out football previews all week this week, and um, we'll be putting out some volleyball and swimming and soccer and cross-country previews later on this weekend. But, um, yeah, it'll be nice to – I think tomorrow we're going out to Tech Volleyball, and that's the first one that you and I are going to be able to, like, actually cover a game like normal. We've been going to some scrimmages, but those aren't the same, obviously, and so – It'll be nice to just kind of get back into the groove of things. And yeah, the, the plan is to be, you know, at Tech on Thursday, like you just said, for volleyball. There's going to be Friday football games that we're going to try to get in, weather permitting. It looks a little ominous right now, but we're going to try to make uh, that happen. Saturday, there's cross country, so it's all starting to come pretty fast. Uh, but where we're going to start today is with football, where, um, you know, we have games on Friday that we're going to preview. We also have kind of some of the top 25 or so players um, to watch list that we've been working on this week um, that's going to come out on Friday um, and print and probably Thursday sometime online that uh, we've compiled just from what we've noticed from the first weeks of practice, past seasons, the coaches, captains, all that kind of stuff. So um, kind of compile all that into a list of just some of the names you should know. And there's names not even on there yet that we don't even know about or are probably going to break out in the first week and we'll probably feel stupid for not putting on the list. But that's kind of how previews go. So uh, we're focusing on that. We'll talk about that a bit to start the show today. In the second half of the show, we're going to get into a couple of those previews on sports. We've uh, been talking to a lot of the coaches. Boys soccer is when I've been taking, um, and girls swimming and diving is when Brian's uh, getting pretty close to finishing up as well. So um, we'll do those later in the show, and probably next week as well. We'll preview um, all those other fall sports as we get those previews out in the coming days as well. But um, like I said, I think we're going to start with football, where we're going to go through the players first, and then we'll preview some of the games coming up. So, Brian, do you uh, want to throw in anything else before we kind of get started on it? No, um, you kind of summed it up a lot, um, pretty well. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go for looking at some of the players to watch out for in, in the local area. So to start it off, Brian, I know we kind of split it up where you visited four teams, I visited three teams, so we kind of each took what players we noticed from those practices and put them together. Um, for you, who's kind of the biggest standout? It seemed like from Sart. I know there's a lot from Sartell, but I think they had the most players on the list with so many guys coming back that played um, big roles last year. But who are going to be some of the big standouts? I think you're, the biggest standout in our area is Blake Haas. I mean, uh, the guy's getting looked at by a lot of Division One schools. He's gotten at least one D1 offer so far. Um, he basically looks like a tank <laughs> um, he's he's been working out really hard during the offseason in the weight room um, he also plays baseball and such as well so um, he's a multi-sport athlete but he's going to be a big contributor for that offensive and defensive line um, this year and and he also has a lot of familiar faces around him on that offensive and defensive or especially that offensive line um, but he's going to be he's going to be in charge of a lot of um, responsibilities to keep that quarterback safe, to keep that running back safe. And um, he had 13 tackles last season in five games. Um, he had two and a half sacks and a fumble recovery. So he's going to be looking pretty good. Um, and he's excited for the upcoming season as he gets ready for his senior year. 
Yeah, and kind of keeping with that lineman theme, we have a lot that are actually on the list, especially that seem to be kind of the biggest crop of guys coming back that got a lot of time last year. And another one is John Kayser from Tech, who's another guy receiving, you know, interest, especially St. Thomas has been one that's been interested. And, you know, he's he's been getting a lot of looks. He's gotten even, you know, bigger, stronger in the offseason. He's at 6'3", 270 right now. And he's been, um, even before last year, he was kind of tabbed as one of the top guys in the class already. So, I mean, he's one to to definitely keep an eye on. He's going to be kind of one of those consistent pieces for Tech with, you know, a lot of, you know, a new quarterback, skill position players. It's going to look a bit different in a lot of aspects, but he's kind of, I think, going to try to be for them that rock or one of those um, significant pieces they they can rely on. And, you know, they, they don't have to worry about, they feel comfortable with because he's already kind of proven it at the varsity level. Yeah, I mean, I know for him, talking to him at, at practice, he even said, his job is to create a lane for, you know, whether whether it's Derek Cox Patton or, you know, Demarius Fletcher, whoever the running back is. Um, he's looking forward to, you know, getting some lanes open and getting those guys in because those running backs have been working pretty hard in the in the weight room as well. So um, should be kind of a fun, fun running game for that Tech Tiger team. Um, another guy that we um, that I know you spoke to and or you saw it at um, practice this past week or last week, um, Carter Loesch from Sock Rapids. He's a senior tight end as well as a defensive lineman. Um, and he's been looked at quite a bit. He committed to division one or division two football at Minnesota Duluth next year. Um, but he, it sounds like from what you kind of saw is he's going to be a big contributor for this, uh, offense and defense. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like, you know, he's been a two year starter on defense and, you know, Carter Lesh, he's someone that is just a matchup problem for other people. He's 6'3", 220. Um, you know, he was, uh, he led the team in solo tackles as a sophomore. He led it them last year, too. He led tackles for loss, sacks, fumble recoveries. I mean, he's kind of done it all on the defensive end um, at a defensive line position, or I could even see him, you know, as a linebacker possibly in college as well um, with his size. And I know Coach Klopp Hockey, he wants to get him a bit more involved on the offensive side. I did see him, you know, going out for passes more, running routes, and he's just one of those guys I know they're um they just love to have and they're gonna utilize him a lot. And kind of similarly for Ricori um is Brady Blattner, who's another guy that um he's a linebacker. He played a ton last year, led the team in tackles. Um he also forced two fumbles for, you know, a Ricori defense. They only allowed under eleven points a game, so they were dominant. Um, but he's going to be key as well because while Sock Rapids has a lot of their guys coming back, kind of the linebackers and a couple of defensive backs. I mean, Ricori, it's completely different and basically the entire back seven. So um, he's going to have to be a leader in the middle there. He's going to have to be physical presence, vocal presence, and you know, kind of uh, help those guys along and kind of see how they do things because um, he's kind of the one piece back there that's gone through it all. And it's going to look a lot different when they play their first game just in two days here. Um, so I'll be interested to see kind of how he steps into that role, but he seems pretty comfortable having that kind of leadership aspect. Yeah, it's weird not seeing the Luke Humberts and Tucker Hokinsons of the world um, in that defense. But yeah, Brady will definitely have to be someone to to be that vocal leader. Um, kind of going more towards, I mean, I guess both sides of the ball, a lot of these players do that. But um, Carter Beer from Albany, he's a senior running back as well as a defensive back. Um, he, this is kind of his year. He's been looking forward to this this year because um, he's been behind so many great running backs with Ro- Nolan Reuter and 
um, William Mergen and Hunter Tate or um, Tate Hoffarth. Um, those those three were kind of running the main running backs last year. And Carter did get a handful of rushes. He ran for 227 yards last year with four touchdowns. Um, but this is kind of his year. He knows that you know being the senior, this is a senior year. He's been waiting for the opportunity to be the lead lead running back and. Um, he's been looking at a lot of tape. He's been doing a lot of weight room stuff. Um, and he feels like he's in the best shape of his life as he gets ready for this senior year, um, with the Huskies defensively. He also was a presence last year. I know he was on the all Metro, um, first team for defense. Um, but he had 35 solo tackles, 42 total tackles, four pass deflections, as well as three interceptions. Um, and he has a very strong defensive um, knack just IQ wise um, regarding football. So Mike Kleinschmidt is going to be using him quite a bit um, on both sides of the ball, and he's excited for what Carter can bring to this team this upcoming year. And another one that um, you know you got to see practice. It seems to be kind of a similar story. You know, a year younger, but Parker Knutson from Sartell. He was a first team All Metro um, defensive back as well. Had a lot of solo tackles, assisted tackles threat on the defense and it seems like you know he had team high three interceptions um and it seems like they're going to try to use him on offense more as well this year yeah now that you know ethan torgerson's gone and you know there's a little bit more not one specific person getting the ball a lot um they're going to be using quite a bit of different weapons and he'll be kind of using that running back role as well as wide receiver um but it's it's more of the defensive side that he's kind of excited about and even Scott Hentges was saying the head coach he was saying that you know Parker's going to be a threat um on that defensive end and he's excited to see what he can do um he had 14 solo tackles last year 22 assisted tackles um and he's just a dominant dominant defensive back for for the Sabres so um wouldn't surprise me if you know they they use him a lot more on the defensive end than the offensive end because they have a lot of weapons on offense but it wouldn't surprise me also if, if they use him on, you know, running back or wide receiver role. But like you said, really young guy. I mean, only a junior. And um, a lot of these guys that are on the on this on this list are seniors just because of the fact that they're captains, leaders. But Parker is definitely someone to keep your eye on for the next couple of years. Absolutely. And then um, another player, um, I believe the first quarterback on our list here um, to look out for is the one that comes back with. Um, kind of the most experience from last year, at least especially in the yards department, is Dominic Mathias from Sock Rapids. Um, he's a senior. He threw for almost 600 yards and nine touchdowns um, in only four games last year. He completed about half his passes, too, which you like to see, especially in a first varsity season. Um, but he had a couple games of three touchdowns, and you know he looked really strong back there. I know he had a couple of fumbles last year. I know something I think he'll probably want to cut down on. Um, and he had a couple interceptions, but he also has that ability to tuck and run. Um, really athletic kid. We've seen it in basketball as well. So scored a couple touchdowns on the ground. So he's, I'd say he's the, he's the best as a dual threat quarterback. I would say um, of the guys that have kind of shown it around here, and we expect to be starting quarterbacks. Um, I would expect him to utilize that whenever the, the pressure's too big. Um, you know, kind of in the pocket there, but. He's definitely a guy to watch out for. Um, I don't know if they'll use him on defense, but I also saw him doing, um, you know, some really good things as a defensive back and some drills as well. So kind of one of those guys they can use around the field. We'll see if they just kind of save him for offense um, kind of as that QB one. But they also have 
a couple other quarterbacks I know that, um, you know, they had to use a lot last year just with different stuff. So I think they're pretty comfortable um, with having a lot of quarterbacks ready to step up kind of like last year too. But, you know, Dom, he's definitely going to be that QB one that they're going to look to rely on. Definitely. Um, yeah. And, and kind of on the way opposite end <laughs> um, for the next, for the next person on, on this list, um, Declan Crumley from Albany. He's an, a senior offensive lineman as well as a linebacker. Um, talking to Mike Kleinschmidt, he's going to be looking towards Crumley to be that kind of quarterback of the linebacking crew. So um, he's going to be the defensive vocal guy, um, similar to kind of what you were saying with Brady Blattner. Not a lot of guys returning for this Albany team this, this upcoming year, and he's going to be someone that needs to be vocal, needs to be that leader on that defense, um, especially in that front seven, um, just being able to get calls out and such. But um, he did a, a little bit of defensive line last year, um, not as much linebacker just because they had so many good, there were so many linebackers in depth there. Um, but he had seven sacks, four quarterback hurries, 32 total tackles. He also had a fumble recovery last season. Um, and then offensively, he's going to be one of those offensive linemen that's going to create those holes for the rushing game. Um, Albany relies on a, on a hard rushing game. And so he, he already knows that there's a challenge there in the sense that he needs to make sure that um, he's leading that offensive line crew very well so that they can get that rushing attack going early and often. Yeah, and that's something they focus on so much. I know further down in the preview said they, you know, they ran for like 2,400 yards in eight games last year. So almost 300 yards on the ground a game, and that doesn't happen without a line like they always have. So, um, yeah, he'll be he'll be one of the key ones there as well. Um, and then we're gonna, we'll do a couple more names here. You know, as we mentioned, there's like 25 names on here. That's going to take a little too long to go through today. So when it comes out on you know, Thursday or Friday online, make sure to kind of check out. Uh, there's quite a few good players on here as well. Um, besides ones that didn't even make the list, other ones on the list um, that we probably won't get to, but are still going to be key guys in the area this year. And um, another one for Ricori coming back that did play on that undefeated team was Tegan Drontel. He's going to be a senior defensive lineman, also might be used a little at tight end. Brady Blattner might kind of play a little bit on there too. I would assume more to block, but they also might be kind of a pass catching option. Um, there as well. But Tegan played a defensive line last year, defensive end specifically. Um, he led the team with sacks with three and a half. He also had 27 total tackles. Um, and he's six foot 190. He's really quick, um, gets off the edge. And he's going to be key as kind of one of the only other kind of steady returning pieces that, you know, put up really big production last year um, that they're going to know to rely on. He's also a senior captain that uh, they're really going to depend on to to get big results right away. Um, and it's going to be necessary if, if they want to keep that unbeaten streak alive. Definitely. And um, I know the last person kind of on our on our radar, like you said, a lot of people on this list, but someone else that we kind of were keeping eyes on were is Steven Brinkerhoff um, from Sartell. He's a senior running back as well as a linebacker. He is going to be, um, in a sense, taking over the Ethan Torgrimson running back duties. Um there's going to be a couple other guys with Parker Knutson as well as Gavin Schulte, but Steven is going to be someone in the backfield that's going to be utilized quite a bit um, on that rushing attack. And so that's going to be something new for him um, as he gets ready for the season. But the main focus for him is he was one of their leading defensive players um, last year. And 
with 17 assisted tackles as well as 26 and a half total tackles. He also had four tackles for a loss, one sack, as well, and two fumble recoveries. So he's he gets around a lot. Um, Scott Hentges even said, you know, Steven is a guy where he's just at the right place at the right time all the time, um, and he can tackle very well and get, get guys down quickly. Um, just that IQ for football. But I think the main, the main thing that is going to be a question coming in is how is he going to take over that running back core um, with those other two individuals um, this upcoming year, especially having to replace a guy like Ethan Torgrimson. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But as, as you hear from this list, I mean, they have, they have quite a stable of guys that are kind of ready to, to step in at those skill position roles. So um, I think that'll do it kind of for our, those are about 10 or so guys. Um, there's going to be some others even that we mentioned when we talk about these zero week games too. Um, kind of as previews. So just make sure to kind of check out the list. There's a lot more from Sartell, Sock Rapids, or Corey. There's also a couple more from, you know, Albany and then all three are St. Cloud schools of Cathedral, Apollo, and Tech. So um, there's a ton of talent around the area. It's hard to hard to highlight it all at once, but um, make sure to check out the article and you can get a lot more information from that. Yeah, no, I, I know it'll be a subscriber only. So make sure to find that good deal or whatever and, and subscribe because um, there'll be Along with that, plenty of other content this upcoming weekend that will probably be subscriber only as we preview other smaller sports, too. So um, plenty of stuff to be keeping your eyes on for um, the upcoming week. Yeah. And with that, we're going to talk about a couple of the games, you know, zero week games for some reason in my head, because, you know, I, there was a ton of our teams playing in them. So I assume there was going to be like, you know, 20, 30 of them across the state. Well, there's only five and our teams are a part of most of them. So um, <laughs> It, it comes fast, but, you know, we're we're here and it's time for, you know, there's going to be five games. Like I mentioned, um, the two that aren't involving our teams, there's going to be Coon Rapids at Brainerd, Delano at Chisago Lakes, but then all three other ones are local matchups. Um, the first one we're going to talk about, I say would be, you know, it's kind of the most metro, most local is Sartell versus Tech, which I know they have their tackle cancer night. Um it's going to be a pretty big game, especially with not many others going around the state. Um, I know this is going to be the one you and Dave are going to be out at, so I think we'll start there. Um, you were able to see both these teams, too. Um, so you, you got a pretty good um, image of what these teams are building towards, what they're probably going to look like for this first week. Um, what are just your perceptions? What are going to be kind of the keys, you think, um, to whoever can come out on top in week one? I think the biggest question coming into week one for Sartell is the running game. Um, you lose a guy like Ethan Torgrimson, it's a big hole to, to put in um, or to fill. And so I, I guess the main thing is, is how is the rushing game going to go and who's going to step up to that challenge? Um, like we kind of said in the, in the past was, you know, Steven Brinkerhoff, Gavin Schulte and Parker Knutson are going to kind of take over those roles um, as a trio. But who's going to step up and take over that. And then also just the experience that's coming back. I mean, you have Cole Hentges as their quarterback. Um, he has a lot of experience just from last year, as well as this off season, you have three guys in the middle um, on that offensive line with Cade Lewis, Will Mahold and Blake Haas that are going to be kind of that they have that experience from last year. They know how to play on a varsity level and now they can kind of take it and run with it. Um, and then you have some some experience on the wide receiver with Austin Hendricks. I, I guess just all of that combined, how does that experience turn out to points is going to be kind of my my main thing. Um, with Tech, I think the biggest thing is is 
defense. I mean, they allowed a lot of points last year um, in in their five losses. And so um, talking to John Benson when, when I was at practice, he's excited about the defense. He thinks that their defense is very strong. They have a lot of experience coming back. And so he's he's excited to see what the defense can do. And um, they even said, you know, we're expecting to shut down some offenses this year. So, um, you know, if that's the case, it, it could be a very close game um, between those two between those two um, different different teams. And so I think I think it'll be kind of I, honestly, the main thing that I'm excited about is seeing the fans in the stands. I mean, they have different student sections are going to be wearing like pink out for tackle cancer night. Um, and you're going to have those on-field interactions and different things like that. It's just going to be nice to have everyone back in the, in the seats and being able to enjoy a nice game. Um, I mean, I know they were kind of talking on Twitter about a crosstown rivalry. I, I mean, obviously the, the big rivalry is Apollo and Tech, but honestly, Sartell's kind of becoming a little bit of a rivalry for a lot of those, those St. Cloud teams just because they play them so often. And so it's nice to have that kind of rivalry to start off your season. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good just to have that atmosphere back, to have that experience for fans. Um, so I know I'm excited just to see that, you know, out at any games these first couple weeks will be just so jarring, so different after so long from getting to see that. But yeah, I mean, Tech, it's going to be interesting to see. I know they have you know, some new guys we haven't seen before. Quarterback position is going to be new. You have a guy like Thomas Dew who came from Apollo that, you know, could be seen on both sides of the ball as well. I mean, there's a lot more question marks, I would say. Sartell seems to be, you kind of know what they are, and it's just going to depend how they bring it. Well, Tech, we don't even really know who some of the standouts are going to be yet. It could change week to week. So um, that's exciting, too, just to have that factor of the unknown in that game. So I think it should be for a good matchup. Um we're also going to begin making our picks each week as well. This this week, obviously, there's only going to be three games. And then every week from now on, we're going to be making those um, on here. And we're also going to be doing in kind of a preview story for each Friday. So um, we have them on the record there as well as on here just to make sure um, nothing gets you know misjudged or anything. So um, I know Dave made picks as well. Do you want to start with what Dave picked for this one, Brian? Yeah, so Dave, Dave chose Sartell. Um, I know for me, I am also going to choose Sartell, but I will say I'm expecting it to be a close game. I don't expect it to be a complete blowout by one team or the other. I think it'll be a close game, and but I think the Sabres just have, like you said, a lot more confirmed spots, whereas Tech, there's a lot of, not a lot, but there are enough question marks where you're not exactly sure what this team is capable of doing after a season in 2020. Yep, you know, they, they last met... Um, in Sartell last year is a 35 to 15 win for the Sabres. So, um, you know, they, they're coming off of that. So we'll see if any of that confidence kind of leads into this from a lot of these guys playing each other last year. But because um, that's not the case for a lot of the matchups we're going to see this year is there were so many kind of weird um, situations last year where not a lot of local teams played each other. But this was one of the few that kind of went off. So um, I'm going to pick Sartell as well in this one, kind of for some of the same, same reasons you said that. Um, it's kind of more of a proven commodity. Um, this will be Cole Hentges' third year as a starting quarterback. I expect that to to help. And I know, as you mentioned in your stories you've written, I mean, we've seen him kind of all across the country at quarterback camps um, throughout the spring and summer. I guess we'll see how that plays into him being ready. I'm sure he's been, you know, kind of chomping at the bit to get out there and actually have full pads on and play a game again. So um, I know a lot of guys like that are for Sartell and obviously Tech too, but 
um, I just see Sartell's kind of experience helping them out in this one. Definitely. And I think the next one that you're going to be at on Friday night is um, you're going to be heading up down to Becker for the Ricori Becker game. I believe it's also another tackle cancer night um, over at Becker. And so um, I know you went out and saw Ricori way, way, way long ago. Um, the very first, I think the very first day that we could actually do practices. Um, so I guess maybe just talk about kind of that matchup. I mean, Becker four and two last season. We know how Ricori did last year. So maybe just talk a little bit about that matchup in your mind. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's going to be interesting just because not even just how different Ricori is going to look and how they're going to figure out. I mean, they could have some underclassmen as D-backs. It's going to be kind of brand new look on both sides of the ball at the skill positions. So there's so much unknown. I mean, it's the first time in quite a few years they don't really have, you know, a guy or a bunch of guys they just know are going to be um, the ones to rely on or get big yardage. So it's going to be kind of a learning experience. So they have to be ready for that. Of course, that learning experience comes in a very difficult environment against Becker, who I know they are fans in that town is going to be just, is just going to be so excited to be back supporting their team. So I know there's going to be a big turnout there um, as well, just that it's always a good matchup between these two. I mean, the last time they played last year was a one point game where Corey came away with the win, but um, it definitely wasn't easy. They had to, you know, kind of grind it out and get that win to stay undefeated. So um, they had that going for them as well. You know, the last, the previous time these two played was the last time Ricori lost was, you know, back in 2019 week six, when Ricori had a field goal to win it at the end, uh, missed the field goal and Becker won by two points on their home field. So, um, you know, there's a lot of that all going on here that kind of builds into the narrative and just the excitement between these two teams um, being in the same division as well. Um, or the same district. I mean, it's just, there's a lot coming together there. So um, I expect it to be a good game. Becker also has a lot of pieces coming back more than Ricori. You know, they had a sophomore quarterback that started last year. Um, a lot of different running backs, receivers um, that they can rely on too. So um, they should, they're in a good situation being on their home field too. So it's going to be a really big test for Ricori. So I guess, I mean, when, when it comes to picks, I guess who you, who you're going with, um, week one between Becker and Ricori? You know, it's really hard. I almost want to go with Becker just because they just are such a more, um, you know, it seems like they have that experience, that proven part that we talked about the last game. At the same point, I picked Ricori every game last year, and it helped me win win the title between all of us. So that it makes it kind of <laughs> tough. So um, I guess, I mean, I also didn't think a lot of their state games two years ago they were going to win that they ended up winning. So I think I'm going to pick them until proven wrong, so I'll pick Ricori this time. Um, it's probably the least confidence I've had in the pick, at least since you know 2019, because last year it was just you knew what you were going to get. This year you don't really know what you're going to get. So um, I'll reluctantly pick them, and hopefully I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, and they can put it all together um, how they've done it the last years, but with a lot of different faces. So I think for me – I was the opposite last year. I picked against Ricori all the time, and they kept winning. So I just thought maybe I should just pick against them all the time so that they just continue to keep winning. So this week I'm going to pick Becker. Um, just to, And like you said, I mean, it's going to be a good matchup. I, I mean, if you look at the past years between Becker and Ricori, it's always a close game. It's always a, it's always a fight and battle. So um, I don't expect it to be anything like, you know, 45 to nothing or anything like that. But – um, it's just more of the fact that, you know, Ricori is a lot of, there's a lot of question marks heading into week one. 
And so, you know, it'd be nice to just see what they can do. Um, so I'm picking Becker. Dave is also picking Becker. So you're on your own on that one, Zach. So good luck to you. It'd be boring uh, if we all pick the same thing as well. So <laughs> you have to have a little bit of variety. Over <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely. I think those, these two games with Sartell and Tech and Ricori and Becker are going to be good games. Um, and I think it'll be exciting to see what zero week has in store. And then the last game of local team playing is Hutchinson versus Apollo. Um, a really big test for Apollo to start the year. And I think the last time these two met, it was like a 76 to nothing win for Hutchinson uh, two years prior. Um, and I know you got to preview Apollo and, you know, they've only had one win over the last two years, but you said that they talked about, they're just kind of tired of losing. Um, do you want to speak more about that? Yeah. I mean, Andrew, Andrew Carl's their starting quarterback basically said it spot on. Oh, we're tired of losing. We want to win. So they've been working really hard in the off season during the weight room. I know I talked about it last week on the podcast when we did previews, but they have a lot of senior guys back. Um, their entire front line for offensive line is seniors. The, I think the majority of their defensive line is seniors. They have a lot of guys coming back from last year. And so there's a lot of experience and there's a lot of, you know, they understand what it's been like the last year or two um, in this system. And so they want to make sure to, they want to keep improving. And so Michael Beeler, the um, the head coach, he's in his second year now. He has an idea when it comes to an offense and a defense, and he's gonna he's gonna start kind of unraveling some things this upcoming season. So, I think it'll be a, like you said, a good test for Apollo early on because um, their schedule doesn't get any easier. They play Ricori, they play Becker. Um, I mean, they play some really tough teams, Delano, um, this season, and I mean, you're gonna need to win games like Hutchinson to be able to compete against some other people. So um, definitely a good first test as, as you get ready for um, the upcoming season. Yeah, and Hutchinson returns a lot of guys. Their quarterback's back, two of their top running backs are back. They were all juniors last year, um, and they were a 5-2 team last year. So um, kind of with all that going on, just what Hutchinson's done last year, you know they're just going to run it down your throat time and time again. Um, it's not really fair. I mean, the quarterback again this year or last year's junior was six three two twenty five. Um, <laughs> that's bigger than most linemen a lot of the time at some of our schools. And um, running out of the backfield, the ability to throw the ball on real once in a while to mix it up um, does make them dangerous when they are able to trick teams with that. So, um, but they're probably just going to continue to pound it. And I would expect Hutchinson to to probably roll in this one. It'd be it'd be good to see if Apollo can make it a little closer. You know, in some of the last times they played, they're in the same class now as well um, of 4A. So this is a team in their district. Um, they're going to be seen basically every year like, you know, they've seen in the past. So um, it'll be a good test to see kind of where they're at compared to past years against one of the top 4A programs in the state. And I would expect Hutchinson to get the win. Yeah, and Dave and I both picked Hutchinson as well um, for this week. I, I think the main thing for me is I just want to see if Apollo, you know, can generate some offense. They, like you said, you know, they have a lot of guys coming back. And I mean, I don't expect it to be a blowout like 76 to nothing like two years ago. Um, but I would like to see Apollo be able to put some points on the board, build some confidence and momentum in the sense that, you know, when they go and play the following week, they have an idea of, you know, these, this offense is working, it's generating some points. We just need to kind of make sure to get everything in, in order. So um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think Hutchinson will probably take care of it pretty easily. But 
I would like to see points on the board for the, for the Eagles. Yeah, because, I mean, um, you know, before their COVID pause last year, they did put up 30 points against Brainerd um, and then were shut out their last three games. So um, I think they just need to get some of that mojo back, just see the ball, get in the end zone a couple of times, pay big dividends. Um, their schedule doesn't do them a ton of favors. They also play Wilmer the next week, who was really good last year. Um, Big Lake's a team that they've been more comparable with, and then they have Rapori too, in the first four weeks. So um, we'll really know where they're at after those weeks. Um, and against some of the, you know, some a, bu- a bunch of those teams were ranked last year. So um, a tough start to the season, but we'll kind of see where they're at. We'll get a much better picture, I would say, after this weekend. Definitely. Yeah, so I think that kind of wraps up um, this upcoming week on Friday night. Um, like we said, next week, everyone will start playing. So we'll have seven teams to talk about next week as we get ready for the podcast um, and we do our picks and such. So this week is just a little funky with with that zero week. So, But otherwise, I think that'll kind of wrap up the first segment of, of this podcast. Um, when we come back, Zach will be kind of talking a little bit about boys soccer and I will be previewing girls swimming and diving. So make sure to stay tuned as um, we come back in a little bit. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Like Brian mentioned before, we're going to go through a couple uh, sports previews here to finish out uh, the program today. And then next week, we'll get into a couple more and also talk a little bit about these first uh, week of football games as well. So um, I think we'll start with boys soccer, which is one I've been kind of focusing on this week. Um, Talk to a majority of the coaches, still a couple more to talk to in the next day or two, but um, kind of giving me a pretty good perspective on what a lot of these teams are going to look like this year. Um, one that I'm still waiting to talk to uh, tomorrow morning is Tech, who is the one that I know you went and saw last year win a section title game 3-0. Um, they were just dominant all year, only lost one game um, to Moorhead. And um, they had a lot of seniors, but also, I mean, they got a couple good pieces coming back, too. So um, they're definitely going to be the team to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a—I mean, obviously you lose a guy like Ethan Miller, who's been kind of the— center of that offense for quite a while but um it seems like every year you talk about you know filling gaps and filling holes and somehow the tigers keep doing it and they keep going to section title games so um yeah i don't expect anything different as we get ready for this upcoming year but um yeah gonna be a fun one to to watch for sure yeah i know their coach dan stoder who said they had 87 guys turn out to for soccer this year too so um they just continue to get incredible numbers, incredible interest in the program, which you expect when you continue to have that success. Um, a couple guys to watch for this year, especially, are going to be um, Andrew Holmes, who was a midfielder last year as a junior. Um, while he's not the guy that you know scores a ton of the goals or assists, he kind of creates everything through the middle, um, sets up a lot of guys. Is just such an integral piece to um, or integral piece to what they're able to do overall and kind of moving from defense to offense and vice versa. So um, he'll be a big piece for them in the middle, see what he can do um, as a senior. And then um, Liam O'Donnell as a senior defender too has been, you know, he was back there on their state run two years ago as well as last year. So he has that experience in big games. Um, 
also playing against top tier competition and continues to to be really impressive and a guy they can trust back there as well. So um, they have, you know, like you said, a lot of the offensive roles will need to be filled, but um, you know, that's some of that's what we were saying last year too. And they came out and they just always seem to find guys that are ready to step up because as you mentioned, you have 80, 90 guys coming out for a team. There's going to be so much depth down throughout JV and others and such. So um, we'll see who kind of takes that next step up, but Tech should be looking pretty good for this year as well. Definitely. Another team that kind of had a really good run um, last year was uh, Cathedral. I guess maybe just kind of talk a little bit about what you learned regarding Cathedral and what they are able to bring to the table for 2021. Yeah, I just talked to their coach, Alex Hess, actually before we did the podcast today. And, um, you know, it's going to be a bit different for them because instead of in the past where there's just been two classes for soccer, they've been in the lower class, but they're playing against teams like, you know, Tech and Sartell that have, you know, three, four times as many students. So it's been kind of tough to get out of sections, but um, they're going to be down in class A by themselves this year with a lot of those other teams being 2A or 3A. So that expansion to three classes, I think, could be big for them. We've seen what they've done in conference where they've won, you know, 70 something games unbeaten whatever it is at this point um you know a decade straight of winning conference so that's something that's pretty proven i know um their coach he said that you know the big problem last year when they lost in sections was they weren't really battle tested because they could only play those conference games in the granite ridge so they didn't get to play a lot of those big schools but i know that's something they're kind of trying to change up this year i know they already played bemidji who's traditionally a very strong school they're playing them upcoming i think already this weekend they're going to try to um they're going to have those matchups against some of the other local schools like apollo like tech um you know a couple of those two a two a type schools to get that non-conference experience um and they should be ready for a good season they have connor drone back who's a really great midfielder that um you know creates a lot of things offensively for them is really strong on the ball um guys like Chandler Hendricks who's also you know a good uh hockey player last year during soccer he was a little banged up but they expect him to be a better offensive force um they have two goalies back that split time last year so um there's a lot to like in that cathedral program and um I would expect them to kind of roll this year and I think they're hoping that um you know playing more against the, the schools their size and getting that experience against the bigger schools in the regular season it can pay off and maybe um result in a state appearance Definitely. No, I mean, they seem to have all the weapons to be able to get to that point. So see what happens as the season goes on. Um, and I guess, I mean, for you, just out of the teams, what team is kind of surprising you the most as, as they get ready for 2021 that could have a really strong season and, you know, potentially make a run at sections and possibly even get that state appearance? Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. There's I feel like compared to last year, there's a lot more unknowns this year. Um there's a lot of teams that have one or two guys back that they can rely on or who have been starters, but, you know, teams like Sock Rapids have Eli Moylan in, um, who scored nine goals last year, the majority of their goals. And, um, while they only had three wins last year, you know, they were in some games close and, you know, had, had the ability to get a couple better results. So, you know, he's someone to watch. They have a lot of attacking force coming back as well. So I think they're going to try to push the pace a little bit more. And then Apollo and Sartell both had, just huge amounts of turnovers. Only a couple varsity guys left. Um, Sartell's going to be jumping up to 3A as well. That's going to be a whole new level of competition. So I know both those teams as well. They're kind of younger. Um, they want to play fast. Um, they've seen some pretty good things from scrimmages. I know I think it was 
Sartell, Tech, and Sock Rapids, maybe another team, Apollo all um, just scrimmaged this last weekend as well. So they're starting to see kind of how they match up with each other, but um, there's a lot to be found out yet still. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams that Ricori as well had some younger guys last year. They're hoping, I think, will develop more this year. So it's hard to know with a lot of these more. I would just kind of say Tech and Cathedral are um, kind of the, the favorites, the, the teams you could maybe expect. And they're probably expecting to be right in their section title type hopes. And the rest, it's kind of an open book still. And we'll kind of see as the year develops. Definitely. Is there anything else that we should know about uh, boys soccer before we start getting ready for the season to start next week? I don't think so. We're, we're already having games come up here in the next couple of days. And I think I'm expecting the preview to be um, for Saturday um, in print and then probably you know, Friday, end of the week as well for um, online. So check out sctimes.com. That'll be a sub-only story as well. But um, we'll kind of give you an idea of who the players are to watch for this season. Definitely. Well, I think the last segment for us um, before we conclude this podcast is girls swimming and diving, which I did. Um, I've been talking to a handful of them. I think the only one that I have left to talk to is Cathedral, um, which I will be going out there tomorrow to – to go talk to them, but um, a lot of a lot of different changes when it comes to the the scene of swimming. Um, just in the sense that the biggest school and the most competitive school that is kind of in this area, Sartell, has moved up. Um, they're no longer part of Class A; they're part of Class AA, um, which means faster times, faster teams, and even a bigger bigger competition. Um, so I think this year, just talking to to the their head coach Hannah. Hannah McCraig, she she even said that they're looking at times. They're not really looking at placements. Um, that's kind of their main thing is, is they need to make sure their times are fitting in at the same time as other um, other racers and other swimmers and such. Just because she, she even said, you know, third place in Class A could definitely be 14th place in Class AA just based on the time that you, that you present. So um, it's going to be a transition. They did lose a handful of um, strong swimmers and divers last year that have been kind of an integral part of their team, but um, they do bring back a handful of very strong um, or very strong divers and swimmers. Um, some of them to just name, um, you have um, junior Emma Yao. Um, she's she's been kind of a consistent one for them um, over the past couple of years. Um, you also have Holly Lawrence, um, who is the younger sister. Um, she's been kind of coming in. She is a sophomore this upcoming year. She does a lot of distance races and she's been, um, working really hard this off season. One that Hannah even said has been working her butt off is, um, Madeline Francosis. Um, she's a sophomore. She's been doing a lot of club. She's been practicing and working out a lot. Um, and she's from the sounds of it kind of in the best con condition and the best shape. Um, as she gets ready for hitting the pool this upcoming fall. Um, and then one diver that's kind of been on that, that was a part of the all metros last year. That's returning um, junior Haley Westrup. Um, she's, she was probably one of their best divers last year. Um, she ended up with a 39 or 393.2 um, was her final score in section six, a um, which she finished first. Um, so, I mean, just really good outing for her and she's coming back strong as ever. So, 
um, could be kind of interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, and, you know, swimming, especially in the fall, was so different because we don't have any state, you know, numbers to go off. Obviously, sections was the end. So those section champs, they just kind of, you know, that's all they could get last year. So we'll be um, exciting to see kind of how some of our teams can bounce back, who can send people to state again, because it's just hard to know um, when you didn't have that experience last year. Yeah, and similar to boys soccer, um, kind of the big contenders this year is going to be Sartell and Cathedral. Cathedral is paired up with St. John, um, St. John's Prep, um, and some of the main people that are returning from last year's team, Mary Morris, she's a senior, she's a sprinter. She was fantastic when it comes to um, the just being able to swim. The, her older brother, Chris Morris, is the phenom that took over the world in, in the winter season last year and is over at the U of M now. But um, Mary Morris, as well as her sister, Ella Morris, she's a sophomore. Those two will be kind of the, ba- the big um, swimmers that you're going to be kind of looking out for as, as you get ready for this season. Um, they had a lot of success last year and kind of planning on continuing that um, this upcoming year. Um, another one on Cathedral is Olivia Sheeler. She's a junior, um, as well as Sophie, Sophie Hang um, from, and she's also a senior, um, but both of those two were also part of the swimming, um, team and they were able to put up some really nice numbers. They, I think also those four created a, um, um, a relay team last year. And so I think they're going to be all coming back this upcoming year, which makes that relay team even stronger as they get ready for, um, the season up ahead. And then last thing, I guess, is there anyone else to mention especially any you know individuals that either won section titles or might be on the door of you know getting back to state this year yeah just a few um to mention besides sartell and cathedral one especially from tech um christine nelson um she's a sophomore she's a sprinter she actually had a really good time back in um back when we um during section time because like you said state wasn't an existing thing last year um, she finished her 50 freestyle at Section 5A in second place with a time of 24.89, which is phenomenal race. Um, she also competes in the 100 freestyle as well. So she's she's kind of a, a threat to look out for um, as, as you get ready for the Tigers. Another name um, is Cece Woods from Ricori. She's, um, she was on the second team all Metro last year um, for girls swimming that we picked out. She's going to be a junior this upcoming year, and she's looking really good, apparently. Um, and there's plenty of other people that on that Ricori team, um, just talking to their head coach, that are kind of stepping up. Younger, younger team, but definitely very experienced and very hungry for some wins this year. Um, and then lastly, just um, Katie Spanier from Albany. She's been someone that um, she was on the second team all Metro last year. She's a junior. And she's been kind of leading that Husky team um, the last couple of years. Definitely going to be looking at her to kind of take that next step as an upperclassman, keep developing on her skills, and, um, you know, be interesting to see how she performs in the water um, this upcoming year. Yeah, so, you know, that's just kind of a small glimpse into both these sports. We'll have a bunch more info in our previews that run um, at sctimes.com over the weekend. So. Um, yeah, I think that's going to basically wrap it up for this week's show. So like we said, you can follow along kind of with our picks each week as well. We're going to be releasing those here and then online. 
Um, you can play at home too if you'd like. Kind of pick the games as well. See how you do. Um, I know I I ended up winning comfortably last year. I don't expect it to be that easy again this year. We'll see if Brian he's got a little better perception of the area this year. We'll see if year two kind of pays dividends for him. I don't know. <laughs> I also control the spreadsheet, so I mean, there's also that. So. <laughs> Um, that's another thing I'm going to be battling against, but we'll see if I can try to overcome Um But yeah, like we mentioned, Tech Volleyball Thursday night. Um, planning to be two football games Friday night, weather permitting, and then maybe some cross-country on Saturday. Um, I wouldn't think I'd ever say it, but if the rain clouds, or the, the storms at least, can stay away for a little bit, we can get those games in. So um, that's going to be the plan. And then we, you know, we're, we recorded this on a Wednesday, kind of back on schedule to kind of have this every Wednesday again going forward uh, throughout the sports season. So once again, uh, thanks for tuning in to the SC Time Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.